You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. After 56 games, numerous blowouts, disappointing losses, the Philadelphia Flyers season is finally over. We're giving and we're giving our eulogies for this season right now. This is the Orange and Back Check podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It's episode 77 of Orange and Back Check and the Flyers season is officially over. One of the most forgettable and disappointing seasons ever in Flyers history. I think it's right up there with 0405. Not many, uh, or 06, 07, excuse me. Like, it's just a total mess. Uh, we talked about it last week, but Scott, uh, it's finally over. How are you feeling now that it's officially, officially over? I think that's the first time I've ever clapped that a season was over, and I think the 0405 season might have actually been a little bit better because they didn't lose any games that year, and they right. didn't win any games yeah. either. So I think that actually might be a little bit better than this season. Yeah, I mean, that was probably better if they didn't play. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, the- I mean, as much of a step back well, as they took. I, I don't remember the expectations of 06, 07, but the expectations of this season were obviously high. We both had them finishing in the top four. I had them obviously higher battling it out for that two or three seed, uh, potentially one. But overall, yeah, like the stand in the standings, I know you're looking at me weird, but saying two or three, it, second or third place in, in the East. And then, but you had them around the f- battling for that fourth and then ending up in fifth place, something along those lines. And then just the overall fact that they're now like, it's just, they were never in it. Yeah. We talked yeah. about, we talked about how they started off hot, but it never felt like it was anything so, uh, to wrap your head around or to wrap yourself around in terms of being a contender. Cause it's felt like it was, one hiccup away from falling apart and then it did because they went on the pause and the, of the because of the covid and then their their true form stuck out and there were some interesting comments about from david scott today and elaine van and a couple of players uh including ivan Provov, who said he had a thought he played a well good season and i'm like dude what are you talking about so but like this expectations were certainly high and i don't remember 0607 but this has got to be up there much worse than whatever 0607 could have been. I think 0607, the wheels fell off from day one. They just never mm-hmm. got going. Here they got the wheels going for a little bit where they had the 11 3 and 2 start. Um, that's when the wheels came off here. Like we talk about, like I talked about last week, that loss to Boston where they were up late. Pasternak scores to tie it late. Bergeron wins in overtime. For me, that was the turning point this season. This team, though, overall, it's just. If anybody thinks that they played well this season, uh, they're out of their mind. Like, look, okay, if you want to look at Provorov's stat line, look at his numbers, okay, 
they're not terrible for a team finishing outside the playoffs. Okay. In 56 games, seven goals, 19 assists, 26 points, plus four, 28 penalty minutes on the season. Uh, that plus four is pretty solid because giving how bad defensive. So I, I kind of respect you played well, but yeah. you didn't play well enough. So that there's a difference. If you thought you played well, that's one thing you didn't play well enough. So it's, I think that this team's expectations, you said you're going to be t- fighting for top two or three. I didn't see this team getting to that point. I just didn't see them being a powerhouse. Well, as um, I argued, I think they were just going to ride the coattails of their success until from last season in the fair, bubble. And, and I think that was, I think a lot of people felt that way. And then after 15 games, despite the 11, three and two start at that point, like it was just like, okay, they're coming down. They're going to come yeah. down at some point. Carter Hart didn't play that well. Brian Elliott didn't play it well when he needed to play well in certain games. It's weird, though. Brian Elliott finished actually with a pretty solid stat line this season. On like 15 for wins a backup, yeah. Yeah, 15 wins and nine losses. I mean, that's that's for a losing team, that's pretty good. But his stats were pretty hard. 15-9 and two. What was it? What was his tie? Overtime loss? 15-9. That's a stat line you expect from a contender. Not a contender, but a playoff team. Uh, yeah, well, that, like that's, yeah. That, that if Carter like and, and I know some people interpret that interpret that as, oh, Carter Hart didn't show up and that's why you lost the season. And there's obviously way more depth into it. But on the face of it, that's what that will tell some people that Carter Hart didn't show up and he didn't. But all 25 players on this roster didn't show up like it wasn't just Carter Hart. Brian Elliott didn't show up every night, but despite the good record. So, yeah, it, that's yeah. it's impressive to see that Brian Elliott turned it around. It's a shame because. Brian Elliott's one of those guys who's probably not going to be here next year yeah, unless so. unless you can find a a cheap contract. But I think he still wants to. I think he's at the point where he's like, I want to play for a true contender. And there's no signs that the Flyers are that anymore. I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a job available for him that way. Um, true. I, I look at it this way. He, he finished the season with a 3.06 and 889 save percentage. For goaltenders, that's not good, especially that 889. That's not That's not good. That's, yeah. that's well below 900. Age, his agent can spin it as his defense sucked. Like well, the, the, that that's that, that's a, that's an easy spin, I think, for his agent, who I think is pretty good. I don't know who his agent is fair, but, but he also know. played 30 games this year. He played more games than Carter Hart. He started more yep. games than Carter Hart as well. True. So, I mean, that's the thing is that we talked about that a couple of weeks ago that I, I was keying on the fact that, well, Moose, like, with all respect, he had 500 games this week, even though they didn't win that 500 game for him. They he had a he had an overall a good season for a backup goaltender came in what he needed to do. But you can't have a goaltender who's playing 30 games of that kind of stat line, even though the wins and losses don't don't predicate it. You, mm-hmm. you can't have that kind of goaltending with that kind of stat line there. So I think the Flyers would look in a different direction for a guy who can play 40 to 45. There's no nothing against Brian Elliott. I just don't know, considering his injury history, even though he stayed relatively healthy the past two seasons, he will be 36 years old this year. Can you trust a 36-year-old to play 40 games if necessary? It's only 10 more than it is now, but who knows what could happen to him in the next 10 games. Yeah. So that's that's a key thing you have to look at because now the shift is going to focus on this is that Carter Hart is going to need a good rebound season next year. I would expect him, you know, he's going to have to load half the games. And, and right now, you know, this season he went 9-11-5 and five with a 3.67 and 8.77. That'll get you demoted to the AHL in a heartbeat yeah. um, if you're any other goalie besides him. But they believe in him, and I think they're going to give him a chance, but they need a goaltender who can go with him to kind of ride the ride the coattails and pick up starts if they need to play like 1A, 1B until his game level's off. Yeah. Well, before, do you want to do our uh, biggest 
success, quote unquote, or do you want to do our eulogies? What, what, how are you feeling? Well, it depends. I'll, I'll let you go first. The biggest success. I think that we could start off with a positive thing. Anything, any type of fury you want to talk about, any kind of positive thoughts. Um, so I didn't, yeah. at the end of the day, it sucks. Like, I mean, I, like, yeah, I clap at the beginning of the episode, but this sucks. The season is over. Like there's no playoffs this year. Like it really sucks to see your team not contending for a Stanley cup. Yeah, that it does. really, really blows. So like, now we got to go through and watch the playoffs and who knows what's going to wind up happening. It's probably going to be Toronto or Edmonton or some team up there in the North because they're playing insane right now, all of them. So um, just the way they play hockey up there. So, Oh, wait, Canadians, Canadians can actually contend. They can, despite the lack of practice, they're able to contend for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, like, can we spend a second on that? I mean, like that was that was really weird by Dave. Yeah, Stein, Le- you, Le- you, you you bring that up. You bring. So, I, I'm blown away by this. So in their end of the year press conference, all three major heads of the Flyers organization, Elaine Vigneault, Chuck Fletcher and uh, Dave Scott, CEO of Comcast Spectacor, spoke to the spoke to the, to the media. And basically it boiled down to excuses, excuses, excuses. And the number one excuse for why this season sucked was COVID-19. Like it, 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 it's it, it's exactly what we kind of got from the Philadelphia Eagles and their disappointment, and it was and it ultimately led to the firing of 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 Doug Peterson, which was I think shocked a few people. So I would be absolutely floored if it reached that same level here. I don't think that is in the cards, especially because Chuck Fletcher said that that he had the faith, and Dave Scott said he had the faith in Elaine Vigneault and the remaining staff. But I mean. To say that you were impacted to COVID and basically saying that this season is a wash is mind-boggling to me, especially you're saying that the Canadian players didn't have a right offseason leading into the 2021 season because of the, the restrictions in Canada. And I'm just like, dude, there's an entire conference in the right. North right. devoted to all Canadian teams. Toronto is one of the best teams in the league. Edmonton has one of the has by by far bar none. He had 100 points this week. Player. Yeah, Connor McDavid 100, 100 points in 56 games. So 100 I, I, points. Oh, so, and I think he scored the game winner last night in overtime. He's got more than 100 right now. Yeah, like I, I just look at this the, this excuse making of oh well, COVID really screwed our season as just like Stop. a two bit radio, a uh, two bit radio, two bit uh, a, a hockey. Like as a flyer it's a organization, joke. it's nothing it's you, you would never, ever, ever hear that if if Ed Snyder were here today. Oh, and like Ed Snyder right would now. already have fired Elaine Vigneault, like which is one of the negatives to to what Ed Snyder, how he ran his organization. But albeit the positive certainly outweighed the negatives of what Ed Snyder brought to the table to just immediately say that, oh, well, this season is a wash and we're disappointed, but the disappointments can be rebounded. We don't want to like Dave Scott has already said he doesn't see a major overhaul in the roster. And he's also saying, well, I don't see a major overhaul in the coaching staff. So it's just like, then what are you doing here, man? Like, we're just going to yeah. talk about the exact same thing in seven months from now. I said this months ago. I said this when they started going bad. They'll give them another year. I just really think yeah. I had a feeling that this was going to wind up coming up to bit at some point of that. Oh, yeah. Well, everything was COVID's fault. So we're just going to give this as a wash. Well, let, let's look at the finer points of this. Okay. First of all, okay. Uh, I don't care if it's Canadians or not because they couldn't train in the offseason. You're a professional athlete. Sorry. If you're a professional athlete, your job is to train in the offseason. Okay. That's your job. You yeah. find a way to get it done. If other teams can do it, and I want to hear the excuse about practicing, yes, practice can fix a lot of things. I agree with that. 
but every other team went through this. So a team like Pittsburgh, who was really more on the downside before earlier this season before it started, they're telling me that for some reason they're just better with less talent on the roster, really. Essentially, when you look at the top with the whole roster as a whole, yes, you have Crosby, you have Malkin, you had a Jeff Carter at the deadline. Uh, you know, you have you have Chris Letang, you have talent there. But overall as a whole, the Flyers are a little deeper than the Penguins are. So you're telling me that should be um, like I, I don't know. I, I think we're gonna that's gonna be an offseason discussion that we're gonna have. Like, how deep is this team really? Chuck Fletcher, to his credit, depends. said that his the youth players of on this team either seem to have plateaued or took a step back, which is a major concern for him and well, should be a, a major concern for the Flyers. The only yeah. guy, and I'll just get I'll just say this now. My biggest, and it, it's kind of low-hanging fruit, but I'm Honestly, it, there's not much fruit to go around in finding out what are the positives of this team. My best player of this year was Joel Farabee, the guy who put on 15 oh, pounds, 10, 15 pounds of muscle and was able to actually work his body. He got crashed the net. He scored 20 goals like he's bar none, the, the, the best player of this season. And I don't think if you were to tell him that. I mean, we're just a, a lowly podcast. If someone went up to him and said, hey, the guys of Orange and Backcheck said that you're you're one of the best players of the I think you'd be like, I don't care. We played yeah. like shit. Like yeah. we're, we 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 played a horrible, horrible season, and they I don't did. care that I scored twenty goals. Like yep. I and I think that I think that goes to the credit of also the captaincy of Claude Giroux because Claude Giroux is a guy who loves to win. He competes night in and night out. Joel Farabee tried to emulate that, and like that's what the positives again of Joel Farabee and and, and Sean Couturier to an extent. Certainly Claude Giroux, like these guys. They still battled. I mean, they won their final game of the season against New Jersey, which is to credit to them. But, like, there's not much to go around. So, yeah, I, I call me a low-hanging fruit guy or lazy host, but, like, I'm just taking Joel Farabee because he's the obvious choice and the positivity of the season. You're such a lazy host taking the <laughs> low-hanging fruit. Listen, I will never, I will never criticize professional. When I, you know, like when you're younger and you're a fan, like, did I back in the day? Yeah, probably I did. I would not criticize a player's effort uh, yeah. of how hard they play the game. You see the difference of when they do, when they don't, you know, I, you know, when you're young, you make mistakes. I probably did in the past a long time ago said like, you know, especially with those like Carter and Richards during that era, I was very, very like, you know, hard on the sleeve type deal. But nowadays I've seen, I'll never question their actual compete level. I don't. Yeah. They're just the, sometimes the skill was not there. They didn't get off to the right foot or they didn't get to it off to a fast enough start in the game where they were fully focused on it that, you know, really got them to playing and they were kind of chasing the game a little while till they finally caught up to it. I'll never, never question their heart. I'll never question how, but there's, there's, there definitely was pieces on ice that was missing this year. For me, I think the biggest, biggest success and Farabee, yes, the low hanging fruit. Probably for this one too. Biggest success for me is JVR by far because yeah. of one season, one thing only. Not because he was tied for the team lead in points with JVO with uh, with Jake and Claude Giroux, but look how many games he played. Played all fifty six. Yeah. So JVR with a guy who's had an injury history and it takes him a while to get going. Still played all the games this year and put up very respectable numbers for a guy who plays the game that way. So there's going to be talk this offseason of people trying to like flip him at why his highest value. I don't know. I think you keep a guy like that because listen. JVR just played the game the way he needed to play. He went to the net. He was available for tippins. Didn't do anything fancy. He just played a power forward game. And for me, getting him back, being 100%, being healthy and playing an entire season, that holds a lot more water than you think. 
So I think it's important for you to realize that, yes, JVR, while he did lead the team in points throughout most of the season, the fact he played all 56 games doing it too was actually a bigger number because that's the first time in a couple of years since he came to Philadelphia that he's played all the games. So I, I think it's a really big deal that uh, that they've, they've, they've done, that he's been able to do that. Um, overall, though, I, I, I look at it this way. This, this team is missing something. And you can start the Jack Eichel speculation right now because Elliot Freeman said in, in, on Twitter earlier that he's, he's one, the Flyers are one of the teams that have the pieces to get the deal done. And listen, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. But I'll tell you what. It's worth I'm it at more this point. Cons- without a doubt because not so much because just the on-ice product. But listen, if you don't make any massive changes for next season, you're going to piss a lot of fans off and they're going to get chased away. I guarantee it. You're going to piss it, off this podcast. I fit like I think both of us will be pretty disappointed if not a major move isn't happening. Yeah. And I I still want to reiterate from last week. I think it's ridiculous that Dave Scott would say something asinine like, oh, yeah, we need a we need a top line forward. We need a mate and we need a top defenseman. But we, we don't see major changes being made. You're, that's still, that's a major a, change. It's a major change. And I just think that and I don't know if it's one of those things where it's like you're hung up on your ex-girlfriend from high school and you're like mill maybe matt niskin will come back like i, I, think, I, like, I think we're past that i i, I, I we might be past see. that i don't know if they are if if they're not then there's seriously something wrong with this organization yeah because you i should, think there is a guy retired he yeah. retired he didn't get hurt he didn't walk away from the, he walked away and said i'm done i don't have and really when a guy gets to a point especially in hockey okay missing a full season Okay, for because at that age, you don't come back very often, if at all. So, listen, with all due respect, Matt Niskanen wants to continue ice fishing in Minnesota. Let him. Okay, you got to move on. The construction piece wasn't there this year. They need to fix that in the offseason. You're going to have to listen. The idea is true, even in hockey. You got to spend money to make money. You're going to trade assets, you got to trade players. And you got to trade something you probably don't want to either a big name and of a younger guy that you don't want to in order to get a piece in here, because really the flyers need to look at this, not just from a perspective of on ice, but again, from the business perspective as well. I think it's important that people know that if they don't start seeing improvement, the fans are going to start revolting with the wallets. And then Comcast yep. doesn't want to lose money. I said it last week, and I will reiterate all offseason. Make a big move. Get the fan base energized. You need that, especially now that everything they're opening it up, um, everything that they're opening up now, the, the, the stadium is going to be full next season. And yeah, then, June 11th, you know, they're lifting all restrictions in Philadelphia, which is a great up. sign. Other than yeah. masking, as far as I, I would imagine by the time we get to next September or October, masking might even be gone at that point depending on how the fall and winter shake up but like we're certainly gonna be looking at full full full, hopefully sell out seats but if again if nothing happens then it's gonna be freaking it's gonna be what we're seeing now but under a a a a a under a full potential capacity and they're gonna be still dishing in only 10 12 000 people if that so it's gonna be a mess if they don't make a big move i I 100 agree with you that's I am concerned. I've said it before. This team is becoming irrelevant in Philadelphia. They have not done anything in a decade. Frankly, they need to do something with the uniforms as well. The reverse retro jersey was absolutely awesome. I say this is that you need to do a couple things to get this fan base re-energized. 
you need to do something with the uniforms. You need uniforms. You've had the same uniforms since the last decade. You, you've had the same home uniforms for the last 10 years. It's getting boring. It's getting boring. It's so would you, just make, would you just make the retro jerseys your number one? Oh, my God, in a heartbeat. I, I would do it, too. sick jerseys. Yeah. They are absolutely sick jerseys. And the thing is, it's another change to get people interested. Like, when they went to those edge jerseys in 07, 08, like, those are really cool. Uh, I bring back jerseys. to the 2012, the New York Rangers uh, flyers, uh, the one that was at CBP at Citizens yeah. Bank. I would bring yeah. that. I like that that burnt orange look that they had. So, I, but they kind of have it now. Like that's They do. Like, they kind of have it now. They use it for their... I guess that was the the stadium series against Pittsburgh a couple of years ago, but I prefer yeah. the one against the Rangers first. But we're getting to let's be. I'm just making a point that they need to do something to jolt the fan base. Like they yes. need to do something to jolt. They need to change out of this image of mediocrity for the last decade. Now is your time to do it. Like, listen, I, flat cap be damned. If a guy like Jack Eichel is available and why he's not requested a trade yet, and you have the piece to do it. My God, you take that card of the dealership. Yeah, you got to go. You, you got to do it. Sports card. Even Patrick Lina, if you Jack Eichel is your number one, and then Patrick Lina is your one B, one C, whatever yeah. it may be. But yeah. who's your biggest disappointment this year? I think we 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 lost we lost track a little bit, but like in terms of the fifty six games that we just saw, the biggest disappointment to you? I, I I think there's quite a few options. I don't think you can go wrong with whoever you say. I think there's nothing more glaring than Nolan Patrick. I, I don't think anything a guy yeah. granted. Okay. I'll give him a little, maybe a little bit of pass of because he missed the full season getting back into it, but he was a minus 30, a minus Jesus. 30. And he had nine points on the season. Now for a guy, you dropped your third line to pick up better matchups. He didn't do anything with it. So, um, I think that Nolan Patrick betted himself this year and he, he, he lost. I, I don't think that Nolan Patrick did anything well this year at all. He had four goals, five assists, nine points, minus 30. That, my, that, those are numbers that get you sent out of the AHL. I think the Flyers have enough here where Nolan Patrick, while being a second overall pick and only still, I believe, 21 years old, 22 years old, um, I would look at him and say, okay, Here's he's 22 years old. I would say here's a guy where you can flip him and get something for him because of the assets that he is and because of how young he is and still be a player. You're giving up a center, which is a risk. Um, but, I mean, that's a move I'm willing to make as far as get him out of here. He is a disappointment. He hasn't done anything. Like, look, all due respect to the kid because he went through that migraine issue and nobody wants to see him go through a health issue. But – he didn't do anything. Uh, he just is, he adds nothing to this team. He had nothing at all the way he needed to add to this team this year. That's for me. It's just beyond the biggest disappointment whatsoever. Yeah, I, obviously, in the minus thirty, just sticks out like a sore thumb. Oh, that's that's, that, that's absurdly absurdly bad. It's terrible. It's it's. I don't think I've seen anything that bad. I know one year Ovechkin had to lay like seventy, say like eighty points. They was like a minus twenty, which is bad yeah. enough. But at least you're putting up 80 points. You're balancing it out. I mean, seriously, you were, you scored nine points and were on the ice for 30, a minimum of 39 goals. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, you, you know, and you have you have to keep it from getting worse. So minus 30 is just completely awful, awful. I'm going with a guy. I think you're going to be a little surprised by. He played all 56 games. I don't think we heard his name a lot, which is something that was a complete contrast to last season. Uh, and that is Kevin Hayes. I think okay. Kevin Hayes it turned into what he was more like in New York. I think what, unfortunately, and this is, a, this is not me saying that it's going to happen, but what I'm concerned is what we saw with Kevin Hayes this year 
is really the Kevin Hayes that we signed the the 2018 or excuse me the 2019 2020 season was the outlier season where he was in a new team fresh new contract trying to prove himself and this is the real Kevin Hayes he only scored 12 goals on the year in 56 games he scored 23 in 69 in 18 points he actually had more assists this year and he but he only had 31 41 points last year in 69 games compared to 31 and 55. Like, that doesn't sound like a big gap, but when you think about this stat, and I think you've seen this too, in games where Kevin Hayes has scored a goal for the Flyers, the team is 33-2. and two. Like, that's insane. Yeah, that's that's really a, that's a, That signifies how important he is for this team. Now, you can make, like, anytime Claude Giroux scores, the team is XYZ. Like, if we can look up that stat, I'm sure it's a pretty damn good stat. 33 and two is absolutely absurd. That's signifying that you are a key part. And what we talked about in our, I think it was our very, very first episode. Go back to episode one of this podcast. You'll hear Scott say that to win a Stanley Cup, you need a second line center, a 200 foot center. He remembers. Actually, it's close. You need you need you need two good centers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of them playing two hundred feet. Well, you, balls you, play and that was supposed to be Kevin Hayes. And you, what we saw in last year in 2019, 2020 was like, holy crap, we might have the guy. And, and then he kind of came back down to earth this year. I think what we saw from Kevin Hayes this year is a red flag for what we might get for the next couple of years under I, his contract. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't see anything that's sticking out to me as Kevin Hayes. I see your point because you expect a guy like that to do more, especially at that contract side. So 100 percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, his shooting percentage is down a bit this year, 9.4% as opposed to 13.1% last year. He's never, this is the first year in his career, he's been under 10% of his shooting percentage. Um, so, I mean, it's it's saying something, but really his stat line is, it, it's kind of similar. And the thing is that Vigneault used him a specific way. Listen, his career high points is 55. It's not the right home about. It's not, it's not, it's yeah. not MVP type level points to put up here. He's generally always put up, if in a full season, he's played. You know, the minimum amount of games he played 71 games usually plays about that. He usually gets about anywhere from 40 to 50 points. So it was a bit off this year. They also played 26 less games, uh, 26 less games. If you I'm sorry, if you add in the 26 more games of the season, probably get up to more where his regular numbers are at. I just think that the way that people what you expect Kevin Hayes to do in a situation like this would be more. I just don't know if Kevin Hayes is that type of player where he's going to be a complete game changer. He's more of your of a solid guy rather than a game changer, like a Claude Giroux type. So You're, sure. I don't, I, I, I see your point, but he needs to be, I a, would expect he, needs to do to, more. he needs to be your second tier contributor. And he was more on third and fourth tier. Correct. It and felt that's like. fair. That, I think, and, I, and that's the case. They're all like that. So, well, yeah, everyone yeah. went from everyone that was on first tier, dropped down to second tier. Everyone was like, and, and just down the line, everyone, just took a step back, but right. Except for maybe Joel Faraby, you can argue, but like, but again, when you have these drastic step backs, you kind of look to your leadership and Kevin Hayes has an A for a reason on his unit on his sweater. Like, so yeah. So when he takes that step back, Claude Drew is, is obviously taking a step back as well, but he's also fighting night in and night out. I never thought I felt like we got 60 minutes of Kevin Hayes night in and night out compared Agreed. to Claude Giroux. Agreed. I think that was the biggest. I think that's why it's so disappointing to the point of what Claude Giroux was. My other one was, and I was just shocked that he said it. Like Ivan Provar was very proud. I don't, I don't think his exact words were he was proud of his season, but he thought he played well. 
I don't, I didn't, I think it more confirmed what your suspicions about him were is he's not a number one. He's not a top D. He needs a guy to be with him. He needs a Niskanen. He needs, he needs something. He needs a, a, a Matthias Ekholm potentially to help him out. Like it's concerning that, uh, for as good as Ivan Provorov has been, like I, I think he won the team MVP or whatever the, the 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 award is called, but it's like he didn't do much. I think Ivan Provorov again, it's not a red flag, but you have support to start piece. accepting. He needs a support piece. He needs yeah. someone to play with him to excel. He's not a standard game changer like a guy like a Chris Pronger who comes in to make players exactly. around him better. Yes, Provorov needs to be play with somebody to make him better, and and that that goes to where it's a team sport and like. These, you know, people think that these there's always that big defenseman that's available and 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 that top defenseman is available every draft. But this isn't like the NFL. Like there's a lot of these guys, they might have the blue chip on their shoulder, and they might not turn out to be anything. All due respect, Sam Moran. What's the, the clear example of you? You you drafted him yeah. in the mold of Chris Pronger, and he turned out to be nothing of the sort. Like injuries all side, but still, I mean, he's a guy who can barely crack the lineup in the NHL, and it. it if you look at Pro Rob's hole, he granted you can play well. He didn't play well enough. He didn't play well enough as the team needed you to play. Like a guy can say he played well, but the team needs you to play better. And yeah. I think that that's where all the Flyers are at. They might have thought that they played well, but they needed to play better. And that's a big thing of knowing that when you're not playing well enough, like there's a, that's where your humbleness comes in a little bit. And I'm not criticizing Pro Rob here. I, I, I would just be thinking like, okay. Yeah, maybe you did have a good season. Your stat line's not bad. Seven goals, 19 assists, 26 points. He's a plus four. That's solid for a defenseman of a losing team who was awful in goal differential. That's pretty solid. But you needed to be better because you needed to help that goal differential. You needed to do more. You can't ask these guys specifically just to do more, but you can't say you played well if you didn't make the playoffs. So obviously, you didn't play well enough. So I think that's, that's an important thing to look at. Secondly, you're, you're right when you go back to Niskanen. Niskanen and him worked well because Niskanen was a veteran and can, knows every situation and can help Provov excel in the things he needs to do it needs to do on the ice. However, when you don't have a partner that can play with you or play with you consistently, and you go back to that practice time, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the tough part when you're trying to replace a defenseman who just randomly retired. No, excuses aside, he's not a guy who can make players around him better. He's yeah. just not there yet. Not saying that he won't be. He's not there yet. So he's he's not a guy like a Chris Pronger who had to get shredded by Mike Keenan to be able to get the, you know, become a hard ass and, and really learn how to play the game <laughs> the right way. It's true. He can't come in and be a guy like that. He can't be a guy like a, a Duncan Keith or, you know, who can make players like Brent Sievergrand and better and, you know, and, and, and take and, you know, do it that way. There's not many of those guys that are available. They're really generational guys. And, and Provorov is a very, very good hockey player and a very talented player. He's not a generational talent. So uh, it, it, that means to say he wouldn't be vermiss to be replaced. Yes, he would be, absolutely. I'm not clamoring to trade him or anything or get rid of him. It's just that right now, there's nobody available who's going to give you a top defenseman, a, a game-changing defenseman for – you know what the Flyers had to be able to give up this offseason. Yeah, sadly, they're just kind of stuck with what they have at the blue line. Yeah, they're going to have to either pick top line forward or defenseman. They're going to have to do that. There's just no other way it's going to work in a flat cap season. You get to pick one other. So yeah, yes, me. 
I'd put my chips on the table and go get a guy like Jack Eichel. He's 24 years old. He'll be 25 in October. Are you kidding me? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a guy it's who's no generational talent. And he's been around nothing his entire career. They tried to build a team around him. And they just they can't get a good team around him. I'm, I'm wondering if Eichel's a little poisoned, but, you know, uh, hopefully I think, not. But I think, I think he's a guy that's poisoned because of the situation around him. Yeah, well, hopefully he's I, not Sam Bradford. I just, right, like I, I, I think he's not he's, a Sam Bradford. Right, I I think that situation in Buffalo is the ownership. The the the, the Pagulas are are our joke. Uh, for as much as I I like them because they help build the program. Uh, down in Penn State, Pagula is a is a Penn State alum, but like he's a joke in terms of the running the Sabers. Yeah. Like it, it's it's a shame that. Uh, a, I don't want to say storied franchise, but a, a perennial. They always seem to, in the mid '90s, or excuse me, the, in the mid 2000s, they always seem to be somewhere in the playoffs. Not always contenders, but maybe. But they were always playoff team, and it, and it was always fun to see them play against the Flyers. I thought they were fun. They were a fun matchup. So it's a it's a sad state of affairs where they are, and they're wasting the talent of of Jack Eichel. And it's not going to get any better than what it already is. He's got 355 points in 375 games. He had 18 points in 21 games this year. It's absurd. He only had two goals, but still, like, for a team that had nothing around him and one of the worst teams in the league, I mean, it's not, it's time to move on. It's, it's time. I'm feeling good. I think we're going to be. I think we're going to be doing an emergency podcast. I think there's going to be a we late have not night. Had to do one yet. I I'm know. Very happy we haven't to designated do an anything podcast. to be worthy of an emergency pod. Yeah. But I, these <laughs> eulogies might have been have designated a, uh, a, an emergency pod if we didn't have uh, a set schedule here. But uh, let's get to our eulogies here. Uh, I want you to go first because mine's. But we talked about it in the pre-show meeting. You, yours is from the heart. I took a little bit lighter fare to this to this whole thing. So I'll, I'll turn it to you first, Scott. Give your give your eulogies. Eulogy. Well. I just have a few things to say about this season. Um, first, fifty-six games. It just wasn't enough. I think that we got we got our we didn't get our time. Our didn't we? There was there was time that we didn't get with this team that we frankly deserve because there are some people on this planet who deserve pain and suffering by watching a team this way, and uh, I would subject them to that more over the season and strap them to a chair in a prison cell and and torture them that way. Uh, by just turning on the TV. Um, and then I'd go to jail because you can't do torture, that type deal. Um, I, the only thing I could really say about this season is that I'm very, very thankful that the weather has been nice. I can go back outside again and I can I can see the birds, you know, flying in the trees and eating the seeds out of my bird feeder that my wife put up. And um, I'm, I'm very, very, very happy uh, that nature has once again blossomed uh, in the month of May, where we retreated to games of completely pointless and worthless hockey that we have not felt and seen in, well, really two years, because this happens year in and year out. They either in or they're out or they're in or they're out or they're in or they're out. It's almost like, you know, like when you try to get back with that ex-girlfriend and then you get out, break up, and then you get back together again, you break up, you get back together again, break up. You know, so we, we've been dealing with this situation for a decade now. And, um, you know, Flyers, I, I just I just want to thank you for um, absolutely nothing this season. Um, I'll just say it was it was great at the beginning. Yeah, it was great at the beginning. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It was great at the beginning. It was nice to see 11, three and two. You held the top spot there for for a little while there. But, 
You know, just like in an NASCAR race, you can start at the pole and then wind up all the way in last place. And I don't even know why I brought up a NASCAR reference because <laughs> I'm sure nobody even knows. Are they even doing NASCAR still? Um, yes. This season? So okay. is F1. F1's a better example. Uh, okay. It doesn't matter. I, I don't even know. Verstappen. <laughs> the only one I know of F1 is Verstappen. So, yeah, that's the only one I know. Um, really, I would like to closing remarks. I would just like to say. Um, Friggin' do something this offseason, you bunch of orange <laughs> and bad check idiots, gritty, loving, absolutely obsessed with him for no reason. I love gritty too. God damn it, I've got nothing. He's wearing else. on me. I still like gritty, but he definitely wore on me after this season. And I, I think it's because I think you that... can't get excited about it. It was nice the yeah. first year, too, and it's nice when they're near a playoff yeah. run, but you know what? Yeah, that's the thing. So, can we? I would just say is that. Just let's do less of gritty until they get good again. Let's yeah. get the focus back on the team instead There's of the a mascots. Lot. It was a lot you know? last night for the yeah. 56 let's, game. Let's stop. With, let's cool it with the Mickey Mouse shit and actually, you know, play some play some hockey. So and do some hockey here. Let's do that hockey. Um, yeah. Right. Until All next right. year. You got you got paper and everything. I got uh, yeah. Oh dear God! All right, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> Hello. Hi. How about that entire month of, month of March? That wasn't at all what I expected. That escalated really quickly, guys. You might not know this, but I consider myself a bit of a Flyers fan. I tend to think of myself as an idiot for liking this team, but there isn't much of a choice, right? Well, when Scott tried telling me to calm down, we both knew the truth that this team sucked. I knew that he was one of my own, one of my wolf pack. It grew by one. So where, where there are two, there were two of us in the wolf pack. I was alone in the first wolf pack, and then Scott joined me later. Last month, when Scott thought that they could make a run and they didn't, I thought, wait a second, could it be? And now I know for sure. I still hated this team. Still a fan, I thought, running around the streets of Philadelphia, looking for a defenseman and possibly a goalie or a true number one shooter. So tonight, I will make a toast to the 2021 Philadelphia Flyers. May I never hear from you ever again. <laughs> All right. Now, let's go to Vegas. Let's get some roof lit. <laughs> I'd like, I would like to thank Alan from The Hangover providing that script. Oh, my God. Love it. <laughs> all the wolf pack. as soon as i heard wolf pack i knew like i'd heard this before bravo billy bravo absolutely bravo that was because i knew you were going to be the one that would take this kind of seriously not as seriously as I, like anyone should you know eulogizing a stupid nhl team but i was yeah. like let me just take the script from the hangover the original and just see what i can do with it uh before we wrap and we, we how now about that month of march <laughs> you know this season's been so bad i forgot how many times they lost by more than like four or five right? goals march was <laughs> i march forgot was how so bad, bad it was it like so march was so bad that we like completely blocked it out of our memory that we're just fine with how bad april was because yeah. April wasn't a, a, a walk in the park. Yeah, it was, like, it was, it was just it, as bad. It wasn't as bad. So we'll, we'll, we'll allow it because it wasn't as bad. But mm. let's be real here. The hockey's been unwatchable for about a month now. That's yeah. just torture, even in a shortened season. Like, I, I, I hope that you, the listener, just came to us to get your weekly fix of what happened. 
because yeah. no one like we we chose to do this. We wanted to provide you with uh, the information and the breakdown and the knowledge that you should have when you're talking to your friends and family about this stupid hockey team. So you don't need to watch this team for 60 minutes. Hell, we didn't even need to watch this team for 60 minutes to realize what they are and what they are, what they will be. First five of every game, you know, if it was going to be good or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, right. It's no joke. So, either. It's just, but I, before we wrap, I and we go to our summer schedule here as 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 the season is stuff as we said officially over. We still have the playoffs coming on. I mean, yeah. the, the 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 season wraps tonight, I believe, with with the remaining games of. But the the schedule is set. I mean, the the, the seating is set. You have Boston uh, in the East. Uh, let me pull this up real quick. Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston Islanders, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Montreal. Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, Nashville, Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis. I got to say at the end of this, this whole uh, in-division stuff completely fell flat on its face for what I thought it was going to be. Maybe I'm biased because of how bad the Flyers were, but the juices that I expected to occur in in in-division rivalries and and the location rivalries didn't pan out the way I thought it was going to be. So I don't have that high of expectation. I think this might be one of the most boring playoffs in a long time because not that I don't think that the, I think it's going to be chalk for the most part. I think the better teams are going to make it out or these it, it, you have situations like where it's Boston, Pittsburgh, Montreal, or excuse me, uh, Washington and, and, and the Islanders. They're just going to beat the crap out of each other and then hope that they can make it to the final and just go from there. But I, I like I, I, honestly, and I'm just going to make mine quick. I think for the first time in 28 years, we have a Canadian Stanley Cup winner. I don't think if it if the, if the Stanley Cup doesn't end up in the North Division, I'll be completely surprised. I yeah, mean, I, and I think I, Toronto I, has the best chance to win it this year. I was going to really say, think they do. I, I think I, Edmonton is getting hot at the right time. Winnipeg is like I think they have just something to prove. Uh, without Line A, and they're they're I don't know they're they're a decent team. They they only 59 points. They're 11 points away from second place with 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 Edmonton. But I mean. Edmonton's yeah. got goaltending problems. Mike Smith is a great, yeah. he's a whole show for the playoffs, but Miko Koskinen was had three goals and three shots the other night. It was pretty brutal. Uh, Toronto went six, one and two against Edmonton this year. Um, the chances are if they're going to go chalk, that's going to come down to where Toronto is going to blow out the Canadian. Even the Canadians gave them a little bit of run. I don't think Canadian, the Canadians will get over Toronto. Toronto's just playing too well because they're, while they have their own challenges defensively and with goaltending, they just outscore the teams at a pace because Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are ridiculous, and William Nylander is doing the is playing out of his mind as well. You can't discount the uh, the Oilers just alone because you have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Uh, but defensively and goaltending, they're a little bit poorly. But I could even see that Winnipeg, if they lock down defensively, they could they could they can knock them off. So I'd be surprised. So that North also, Division that'll be the best division to watch for hockey. Everything else is going to be kind of meh. I'll be honest. I always like watching Carolina. I think Carolina's a fun team, especially with Rod Rod Brindamore. Uh, just how that team goes. Yeah, and they I, they finished central. They finished first in the central, first time in the division, and and well over a decade they did that. So uh, they go five when the they Reds. won the cup, right? What's that? Probably when they won the cup in 06. Yeah, what, 05? Oh, yeah, 05 when they won the cup? Yeah, oh, yeah, 05, 06. 06. Excuse me, yeah, yeah. 06, yeah. So yeah. Um, I think that that Florida Panther and Tampa Bay Lightning, the one, that, look, Vasilevsky has not played well against Florida this year. Last two starts, he gave up four goals each of each. Um, so uh, they I mean, it's just was five, two, and one against Tampa this year. So I think that the, yeah. that the, the Panthers have a good chance at advancing here. Uh, but just keep an eye on for Nashville. They've been playing well lately, and they're the hot team going into this. So they were playing hot up to this. So I'm, I always say that 
no matter what they the hot team no matter if you're a good team or not that those hot teams always keep you nervous keep you watching so i think it might be possible that you know, carolina is the best team in that division preds might have an advantage because they're just playing really well and out west i mean i think this is coming down to somewhere where you're seeing uh, a canadian team and probably either the avalanche or the golden knights come out of the west i mean they're Golden Knights yeah. are going to roll over the Blues in Colorado. I mean, surprising enough, as Minnesota was the third seed, uh, Colorado's just playing out of their minds right now. So I think that that's how that's going to come out to be this, this year. Especially with Landis Cog. I, I mean, he's just a fun guy to watch. I, I, oh, I think, Nathan McKinnon as well. Yeah, and, and like they're just a young, fun team that just, mm-hmm. just wants to play in night in and night out. Kind of what we expected from the goddamn Flyers, but hey. I, yeah. but, I, but I'm going to go back. I think this is going to be the ter- – I think this is shockingly Toronto's year. Like, I, I just think yeah. the, the stars are aligning. There's a few road bumps along the way, but, I mean, what team doesn't have road bumps uh, uh, in terms of trying to get it to the final? But You can just I mean, say it. They have they have that factor You when you watch them play. Yeah. They just have yeah. that it factor, like, man, that this team just has some juice going with them. Like, they've been disappointed in the playoffs so much, they're just ready to overcome it. And I think it'll be something along the lines of, like, the Capitals went through a couple years ago. If the North plays up the East Division and they play a team like the Bruins and the Bruins can get past the Capitals – and they can beat them finally. That's just like all you need. Like the, when the Capitals beat the Penguins a couple years ago, propelled them to the final. Um, and I think that that could be the same thing. Toronto just needs to win a round, and I think that they're going to be very dangerous if they do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that I think you've said it all. I, and hey, th- but by the time we get to next year, we're going to be talking about ESPN. They say they just oh. signed Brian Boucher and Rare Ferraro uh, is joining the the in some capacity the broadcast team. I know they tried. They were trying to get Wayne Gretzky back in the loop. He used to do NHL Tonight, I believe, for a stint there. At least for Sports Center, they did. It. He did it for a stint. So I think this is going to be the. And if you're not in on the NHL, this is your first time listening to our to our podcast. First of all, welcome in, and secondly, just go back and take a listen to our episodes in the past of how ESPN will change the game, especially Scott's emphasis on how amazing it will be. Just their production value, how they emphasize the fans in the stands and the noise and the, and the natural sound and all of that great stuff that we didn't really get with NBC sports. So I'm excited to see how this goes. Um, man, this is a forgettable season, but we thank you as always for bringing it night in and night out. This was a, a season that none of us could have predicted, but you guys no, I predicted it. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Scott, <laughs> Scott predicted it. Everyone. <laughs> Congratulations. Go back to episode 52 or whatever it was where we did our preseason breakdown and you can take a listen to when Scott said he was right. So Uh, no, I I don't like being right in that situation, but I will say this. I am only looking forward to one thing next season, despite anything that happens this this offseason. This is the one thing I am looking forward to. Bring it back, baby. Bring uh, it it's back. Gonna be such a ESPN. beautiful thing. Hockey's back on ESPN. It's and I think they're waiting. I love it. The music's back. I'm jacked up. I'm already ready to run through a friggin' wall. Get me the video game. Get me the music order. Get me everything. Get me the merchandise. Oh, I didn't I want think a about goddamn it. Run through a goddamn wall right now. Oh, I didn't think about the video game. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. if they bring that back. If they put the ESPN yep. logo back on it and get that guy off NHL 21 and put Gary Thorne back on it. Goddamn, I'm ready. October. I was gonna say, I, I feel like we're they're waiting. They're I think they have Gary Thorne locked in. I really do, but I think they're holding on for that nugget announcement until like game one of the final. 
something oh. along those lines. Think, so I'm hoping. I think I'm missing I, what he want to announce. That. No, I don't, like I. I think they're just. It's going to be one of those like. Oh, by the way, ESPN. It, like NBC like Kenny, hasn't announced Kenny any Albert. of this stuff. Oh, Gary yeah, Thorne's exactly. got to take my job next season. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stop by Lundquist, even though he's not playing. <laughs> How's he? Good health for Lundquist. I forgot that. Yeah, he that's had that heart surgery. He's doing pretty that's well. How... He's he's still trying to get back. I'll tell you, Lundquist will play again. I think he's going to play again yeah. next season. I, think I he'll hope come so. Back. I think it'll be an awesome thing to see to see the King play one more game. I would love that. Yeah, but you know for sure we will be right here waiting for the puck drop for the 2021-2022 season for the Philadelphia Flyers. Hopefully a hell of a lot more successful than what happened here. Uh, we will stand on pins and needles of what this season, of what this offseason is going to bring for us. I think it's going to be a lot of, of ter- not turmoil. Turmoil is a bad word, but a lot of changeover, I think, is what I'm looking for. Like, I think it's going to be, despite what Dave Scott says, I think there's going to be a lot of changeover for this team and for good value. It's going to be a lot of fun. Get ready for this. I think this is going to be similar to like any Mike Richards level, something like that. But we thank you so much for listening. We go to our summer schedule now, our off-season schedule. So we are off next week. We'll be on the week after that, breaking down what's going on in the playoffs. Anything that I'm sure stuff will start breaking for the Flyers. Reports usually trickle out. We usually get the end of the year surgeries and all that stuff. We battle Coaching changes. What. Coaching changes. Retiring. Matt Niskanen yeah. retiring again. He's actually still retired. It's hard yeah. to break your heart. He's going to re-retire next season. Yeah. But if you have any questions, what your predictions are, for this offseason, shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com, orangeandbackcheck.lg at gmail.com, or shoot us a tweet on Orange and Backcheck, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. We thank you so much for this 2021 season, despite how it turned out. We will see you again next year and in a couple weeks. Oh, I was supposed to say something? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was expecting you to say something. Just disappointing like the Flyers did. Kenny Albert!